Aloha, Katie Friedman here. Professionally, I'm an ophthalmic consultant, dispensing optician, and an emerging podcaster. Throughout over 35 years experience fitting spectacles and contact lenses, working back office for ophthalmologists, managing optometric practices, teaching optical technology, and lecturing nationally, I've seen clever, easy, and very effective ways to increase revenue for a doctor's practice. Welcome to Eyes on Profits. Today, I have the wonderful privilege of having a, a guest with me and guest with us today. Her name is Melissa Rickard. Richard, how do you pronounce your last name, Melissa? Richard, like the Richard, first Okay. <laughs> She's an optometrist and um, I found her through a friend who is in the, the low vision, no vision community. She highly recommended Melissa. And Melissa, would you please share with all of us what you do as an optometrist, a little bit about your practice and how you got into low vision, no vision? Yeah. Um, so I graduated from the Pennsylvania College of Optometry uh, 14 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2006, um, while I was in school, I found low vision, um, which was a specialty. And I, I was very interested in that in working with people with macular degeneration and glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy. Um, so I did a, a joint program with a master's in science in low vision rehabilitation. Um, so I was very excited when I graduated to have this dual degree. I had my master's and my optometry degree, um, but I didn't find a job right away in working with low vision patients. So I worked for a while in multiple different practice settings. And then in um, 2015, I decided to open my own practice um, so I could incorporate all of my low vision experience and uh, comprehensive care. I also do a lot with um, traumatic brain injury patients and stroke patients. Um, so it's a very well-rounded practice. Um, so I opened my own practice. We started, I started in March of 2016 and um, I see probably about 30% low vision patients. So these patients are typically uh, 2070 um, visual acuity or worse. Um, not always, sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse, but we work with, with their remaining vision um, to optimize their quality of life. So if, it, if they come in wanting to read, wanting to see distance, whatever it is, so we work with them on an individual basis and it's very rewarding. Fabulous. Now, my, my personal burning question is, how do you network with ophthalmologists? How do you connect with ophthalmologists to get their referrals to be able to work with these people who that's their primary source of, of patient care are those with, with glaucoma, the, the, with the narrowing tunnel vision, with, mm -hmm. the, with the diabetic retinopathy, with the, the loss of vision, macular degeneration, and then all the other situations. And, and oh my gosh, gosh, with that in, I didn't know that you worked with um, traumatic brain injury people also. That, that's a whole new topic, separate. So let's start with, you got me so <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
how you work with ophthalmologists enable to be able to service their patients and your patient and integrate the two Yes, that's a great question. Um, so I work with a lot of the local retina specialists and primary care ophthalmologists um, who are seeing the glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy, macular degeneration patients. Um, I have sent letters out to all of them. I've gone in the offices to visit them. I have brochures on kind of what we do. Um, so it explains, it's a little bit more for the patient, but also for the ophthalmologist. Um, so it explains kind of what we do, what we go through. We go through magnifiers, different types of um, spectacle lenses, telescopes, um, contrast filters. And then there are, of course, non-optical devices that we work with with their patients. And then we have connections to a lot of different services that could help their patients. So I try to explain to the ophthalmologists themselves. Also, their technicians are a really great uh, source of referrals. So if I can kind of explain to them, that's really good. Um, but once they refer somebody to me or once I see one of their patients, even if it's coincidentally, maybe they've been referred to somebody from the, the senior facility that they live in, um, I send a letter to that referring ophthalmologist or their ophthalmologist. Um, to explain what we looked at, what we did, what the patient went home with. And I think that's really helpful for them to see multiple letters over time, even if they're not, you know, totally on board in the beginning with referring their patients. Um, so that's been really helpful. With my traumatic brain injury patients. Let, let me, I got to explore that because that's my experience. The the not so willing part, the not so willing part to bridge that relationship, that that place of, I'm, I'm so impressed with all the networking, the personal networking that you've done to build those relationships. I love hearing about the letter. When, when you've got your foot in the door, I know that part of it is, is getting through that, that first person, that receptionist, that, <laughs> that I don't even know how to, it, it, I know you know what I'm talking about and yeah. others are listening because it's just getting past that receptionist. Sometimes those people are, too good at what they do yeah. and how did you how did you actually go from introducing yourself as as a low vision specialist to get to build that relationship with that ophthalmologist well i have to say that bringing chocolate helps <laughs> right through the front desk <laughs> i i set up a whole folder of information on what i do with my brochures with my cards and a hershey's chocolate bar it helped, <laughs> um, but yeah, once, once you can get through, um, I think it's really communicating with them. So when I have seen their patients, whether it was from a direct referral or indirectly, um, I send them a letter and then they, they understand, you know, what happened during that visit or they see the patient again, you know, in two months and, and they mention the visit and that's been very helpful. Um, Do you have in your office different types of CCTVs and digital magnifiers so that if the ophthalmologist wanted to come by and take a look, they could see all the different devices mm -hmm. that you have when working with these patients? Yes, that's happened too. Some of them have come by and taken a look. Um, with my traumatic brain injury patients, I get a lot from the local hospital um, with their stroke rehab department. 
they also deal with concussion patients and stroke patients. So I get a ton from there, especially with being able to help them drive again. So that's been very good. Fabulous, fabulous. And do you work with neuro-ophthalmologists? Yes, yes. Um, but we actually see, probably we see more primary referrals from the stroke rehab department than the neuro-ophthalmology would. Okay, well, that's really interesting. How did you get involved in, within the, the community, the networking community itself with uh, all the different resources within LinkedIn? Did you, did you go to LinkedIn and did you branch off from there? Because so many people know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, impressive. <laughs> Thanks. I, yeah, I went on, I just went on LinkedIn and introduced my practice and um, tried to connect with as many people as possible. And it's been, it's been really working out. Met a lot of people through there, meet a lot of people through Facebook as well. Um, that it's just been a great way to, to connect with people. What advice would you give um, people out there listening? If, if they want to find out more about, about you and your practice, how can they do that? And what resources can you actually offer them? I'm, I'm, my primary community are ophthalmologists. I need to share with you that that's, that's the primary listener at this point. And, and uh, at, at some point of the stage, somebody may be listening to this and it may be maybe other op fellow optometrists. So what suggestions do you think that you could give the listening community as far as bridging ophthalmology and optometry um, regarding the low vision patient and low vision needs? I think it's really important for ophthalmologists to have a connection with a low vision optometrist to be able to send their patients to. The patients are so appreciative, um, especially when they learn about you know, low vision services. And they come in and they say, why didn't my retina specialist send me to this two years ago, you know, when I developed this problem? And sometimes it's the, it's the technician that actually sends them the referral or gives them the card or the brochure. Um, so I think it's really important for ophthalmologists to uh, reach out to their local optometrist and see if they're providing any of these services. And for optometrists to really, um, market their own services to the retina specialists and glaucoma specialists um, in their area so that they know this is available. They're not going to, the ophthalmologists are not going to talk about this or refer their patients if they don't realize what's out there. And I think a lot of times they, they don't understand what is available for their, their own patients. They're worried about preserving their vision on the medical side. They're not thinking about visually what else we can do for them. So it's just really important to build these relationships and it's on both of our sides to do that. That has been so helpful. I, I'm in awe of, of what you do and how you do it and how easily it is for you to just go out there and, and talk to these people and brilliant going to the hospitals. Yeah. And those, those relationships, because I used to fit people with contact lenses for uh, um, a neural ophthalmologist and who's, so that's that specialty being, 
those patients, there's more to brain damage than one may, may think about. Yeah. That, whole, that whole connection of the vision and how it integrates with the brain. Hello, hello, we know that the brain is what sees. So it's the place of, of that's a whole different area of, of low vision to no vision. Yeah. What is your what is your approach to people who are in that that in between zone of going going into that low vision category the the place where that 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 senior that you've been seeing for years and years and years is going from from into that that transitioning into that low vision category um, that they go uh, kicking and fighting and in <laughs> denial of. How do you bridge that in your practice? Well, I think it's really important for them to see what's available. Um, so even if their vision is still, you know, maybe 20, 30, but they have a diagnosis that they know, you know, is going to progress over time. Um, if they can see what's available, maybe work with some telescopes, work with some magnifiers, some special reading glasses. Um, before they get to the point where they really need that. I think that's very helpful. Um, it, ju it just really helps to have some remaining vision and work with that um, at, the, at the point where they can still, you know, easily work with and transition to other devices. Um, I think it's, it's also helpful if they have a lot of um, support. So if they're, I always recommend that they're son or daughter, sister, whoever it may be, come into the appointment with them just to see everything. It's, it's psychologically, I think, very helpful if somebody else sees that there are other options available. And I always show people options that I think are way more than what they need. So maybe if they just need um, a three times magnification kind of magnifier, but I'll show them a video magnifier that can magnify 10 times just so they see that there are other options out there because I think that's um, psychologically helpful for the patients. Brilliant, brilliant. One final question, staffing, your staff, how do you select people to work for you to, to leverage what you do for your patients and making sure that it's the right type of personality to work with the special clientele that you have. Yeah, well, we see a lot of senior patients um, and my staff has to be very optimistic, motivating. Um, they, they just have to understand the special needs of our patients uh, first and foremost. Um, I mostly work with the low vision patients on the device training and things, but my optician understands the special prescriptions that we're pres prescribing and how they have to work with them. So they're usually going to be working at a closer working distance with these um, high powered uh, reading prescriptions. So that's important. Um, but I think I think it's just compassion, regular human compassion, working with patients that can't see as well as they would like to. Um, so I don't, I don't really feel like it's anything special. 
accept what we would normally hire in our practice. Well, Melissa, it takes a special person to recognize that. <laughs> uh, I think that it, it's not so mainstream as you may think. I think that, well, I know as, as a fact that many doctors pick family members they think are going to do the job and they don't. Yeah. And there, there are other people who pick somebody who just will fill the spot and they don't. And then there are this, the other extreme of finding somebody who's a really good match for that particular practice, knowing it, recognizing it, and, and cultivating that person to be of, of, of like philosophy within the office. Yeah, we have, we have four staff members, so we're a smaller practice. Uh, so I guess they are kind of hand-selected. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Melissa, you have been a gem. You've been and I want to thank you so much for your time and your contribution. I know whoever listens to this will get huge value from so. that. Thank and you. can they find you on Facebook? Yes, we're on uh, Spectrum Vision Care, uh, facebook.com slash Spectrum Vision Care. And if there are any other questions, my email is mrichard at spectrumvision.com. Well, you heard it from her. I want to thank you so much for your time. And for those listening in the podcast, you know what I'm going to say. Make it a great day. Aloha.